0: Hello! We're going to continue on with our series on Malachi, and the series is called I Am a Great King. And this is all about God calling his people to recognize the importance of honoring him as king and father. And Malachi is confronting the people of God in his day with the ways that they are dishonoring him in their attitudes and thoughts and behaviors. And so this is the big idea of the book, and we're working through it to see ways that we can together honor God in our attitudes and actions as the people of God. And today we're going to be looking at um, the sections where Malachi talks to the people about um, marriage and their sexual relations as a way to honor God or dishonor God. And Malachi is going to confront the people on two different things. Number one, on marrying unbelievers, as well as divorcing their believing wives. Okay? These are the issues. Marrying unbelievers and divorcing their believing wives. This is the word of God from Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Have we not all one father... Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless one to another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless. An abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering and accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who hates and divorces, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence says the lord of hosts so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless i'm really struck as i read this passage how god makes the relationship between the men of israel and their women if you can if i can put it like that an issue about fatherhood okay it's very plain from this passage that he's talking about who you marry and who you divorce. These are the practical issues, and the Israelite men are experiencing themselves being rejected by God because of what they're doing. You know, Malachi said, you're you're at the altar, you're weeping, you're in trouble, you need help, and God's not doing anything. And when you say, why isn't he doing anything? The answer is because of what you're doing to your wives. But this passage doesn't just say, hey, I want to talk to you about your marriages. It starts off by saying, have we all not one father has not the one god created us and why are we being faithless to the covenant of our fathers it's about fatherhood these men's marriages are about fatherhood and not just their fatherhood it's about their relationship to their fathers and it's a relationship to god as their father And God is seeing as their father that how they're treating the women of their covenant, either by entering into covenant with women who aren't believers or by breaking covenant with women who are believers, that they are rejecting their spiritual fathers and rejecting their heavenly father. This is the dynamic that's going on. So our, our marriage relationships are about God. They're about his fatherhood and how we get into them. And how we stay into them or why we don't stay in them uh, is about God and our relationship with Him as our Father. So here's the two problems. The first is that Malachi accuses the people of being faithless because they marry daughters of a foreign God. To me, it's really important to notice what Malachi is saying here. He doesn't say you've married the daughters of foreign parents. It says, you marry the daughters of foreign gods. Uh, this isn't a racism thing. This is a faithism thing, if I can put it like that. This is about their faith. They are worshipers of false gods. And they're committed to these false gods, and yet the Israelite men are still marrying them. And this is what God has a problem with. They don't believe in me. They reject me. They love false gods, and they love the pagan practices and the evil that these false gods uh, promulgate and um, spread how can you be marrying them this is a problem and, and he says you're rejecting me as your god and father by being seduced or falling in love with these women and not caring about where their spiritual commitments are you've rejected me because you've accepted them it's not a race thing because we can go through scripture and we can look at instances where there are women who are not israelites they're not kind of blood descendants of abraham and yet by faith they are treated as great women of faith and welcomed into the covenant community. There's a Rahab from the book of Judges who marries um, one of the prominent men of Israel. There's a Ruth who is a Moabites and is actually presented as the most righteous person in the whole story. More righteous than Boaz, more righteous than her, um. Uh, Naomi, she's just a faithful woman. The whole story is about how wonderful she is in her faithfulness and her belief in God and her humility. And so there are many, many instances where the scriptures will lift up a woman who is not by blood a descendant of Abraham, but by faith, she sure is a descendant of Abraham. She sure is a daughter of the covenant. And so this the issue here is not a race thing. Malachi isn't upset because of the color of their skin, if I can put it like that, though I'm sure that their skin color was all very similar, all being Middle Eastern peoples. Um, It was about where their hearts were at, that they were coming into... the the family of faith physically, even though they'd never come into the family of faith spiritually. And the spiritual commitment is more important than anything else. Faith is more important than anything else. And so God is confronting them and saying, you're ruining this. You're wrecking this by treating unbelief as though it were belief and being unbelievers by not caring. Excuse me. And the second Uh, issue that malachi is addressing here has to do with uh, these israelite men and what they're doing to their wives and they're divorcing them even though they're believing wives and so um, god is really speaking very forcefully to these men through through this passage he's saying to them uh look our relationship is completely on pause you can come, you can offer sacrifices, you can weep and cry and wail, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not listening because of how you're treating your wife. And I think it's really interesting, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter um, 3, I think it is, forgive me if my memories failed, says the same thing to the men of the New Testament. He says, you need to honor your wives for the sake of your prayers. If you mistreat your wives, God will not treat you well. You know, God is on the side of the women. That's, I mean, in generally speaking, whenever there's a problem, God is going to defend the women first, unless they're really, really, really functioning in unbelief. So this this isn't, um, he's not against the women in these things. He's confronting the men for the sake of the women. And so he's saying, our, our relationship's on hold until you start treating your wife better. And so he confronts them and he says, I was there at your wedding. I was there when you made that covenant. I received that covenant. Sometimes I like talking about marriage that way. God shows up and he receives the covenant. A man and a woman stand in front of a pastor or whoever it is, and they say, I promise that I'm going to be married to you exclusively, and this is a till death do us part thing. And God is there, and he receives the promise like a sacrifice, like a gift. He receives it, and he puts that um, marriage certificate up on the wall in heaven, and he looks at it every day, and he says, I was there. I'm a participant. I'm a witness. And he says, now these these guys who made this covenant to me and to my and to this woman, uh, they're breaking it. They're trying to divorce their wives, and you're breaking a covenant with me just as much as you're breaking a covenant with with them. And one of the things I find really interesting is that God reveals again that He had a mission for this union. He says, and what was the one God seeking, godly offspring. So what Malachi is focusing on here is that when. Um, The men of God divorce the women of God. The people who suffer the most really are the children. The children are set up in a way where it's going to become more and more difficult for them to actually grow up to be true, faithful worshipers of God. It's not possible, and God can do anything but the um, demonstration of their fathers, the betrayal of what God's character in these um, lawless divorces, that they're seeing in their father is just totally distorting the picture of the heavenly father. Remember, this passage starts talking about God as the father. And so he's confronting fathers who are divorcing the mothers of their own children. And he's saying, you are ruining your mission to reflect who I am as father to these kids, and they are going to be impaired from knowing who I am. And God can do anything, and he can restore anything. When we come to the Lord Jesus through faith, and we humble ourselves, and we look to scripture, and we look to good good and godly spiritual fathers, we can get redeemed and restored. But God is really, really 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 angry at these guys for how they're dishonoring him as god and and sabotaging his mission to bless children with godly examples and set them up for a godly life and so he says to them you need to guard your spirit and your marriage you need to be vigilant you need to be like a soldier up all night with a loaded gun ready to fend off any attackers that might be trying to steal in. He says, the man who divorces his wife, God says, I consider like you're a man of violence. You might as well be um, a murderer. You might as well be a mugger. You might as well be out in the streets wailing on women and children to steal their stuff. That's what you're doing. You're hurting people and robbing them. And so I consider you a violent person if you get rid of your wife. And instead he says, you need to guard your spirit and not be faithless so that you can care for these people and you can be the kind of man who is a father like I'm a father. So what I've been saying through this series is that this whole series is about confronting people where they have been dishonoring God. And we can see now that a little bit clear that choosing to dishonor God isn't a victimless crime. It's not at all like God is the only one hurt when he's dishonored. Actually, the world starts falling apart. And w- what's happening is you can see that progression where they're, they're, the last last time we spoke on this, the last passage we looked at is that um, the teaching of the Levites was failing. And perhaps what they were doing was they were teaching this kind of easy divorce against believing women and Easy marriage for unbelieving women. Maybe that's what was going on. I don't know for sure, but we can see that things are working together in this culture of unbelief and dishonoring towards God to really make victims out of the women and children. These are the they're the casualties of culture that rejects the honoring fatherhood of God, that rejects the kingship of God. They get hurt. Before the men, the men still have a lot of cultural power. They've got physical power. So they, they're they the ones who are, find it easier to do the hurting. But there are real victims when God isn't purposefully honored. So what can we do? Okay. Um, if you look around Canadian culture, um, you probably have a divorced person, if not many in your family. Or you could be a ch- child of divorce. Um you probably have seen all kinds of what I, I call relational carnage, where there's just hurt and wrong decisions and sometimes worse responses to wrong decisions. And so the, one of the first things we can do is just kind of take a break and make it not personal and just say, this is what the Word of God says. Whatever I've done or not done, this is the truth of the Word of God. And we can measure ourselves and measure our family history by the word of God. And sometimes this is so healing because you look at a situation and you say, you know what, God was not pleased with that. That's why it hurts so much. God was not for that. He was looking for something different. That's why it hurts so much. The next thing we can do is look to ourselves and we can see where our heart attitudes have been really out of line with the scripture, okay? This is the reason why Malachi is preaching, he says, it starts with your attitude and it ends up with your behavior and so before we start judge anybody else we're supposed to measure our own attitudes and our own lives by these things and find out where maybe we have been the ones who are dishonoring God and rejecting his fatherhood by how we treat the people around us in our marriages and especially the guys and how they treat their wives. The next thing we need to do is repent. Whenever we see the truth, we're called to repent and believe in the good news. So we turn away from what we've been doing wrong, according to God's word, and we turn to believe. God, rescue me. God, rescue us. Make things better. I've, I've messed up. I've sinned. And God, I want to come back to you. I want you to restore your place as father in my life and the great king of my life. Lord, lead me in that way and teach me what it means for you to be the great king and father of my life. And help me to act out my role in my relationships to show that you are the great father and the great king of my life. So we we believe the truth and then we turn in repentance. And the next thing we can do is have hope. <clears throat> Excuse me, Malachi's writing here because he he has hope. he has hope that people will repent and he ha- he has hope that generations can turn to the Lord, okay even if you were one of those people whose lives have been impacted by divorce and you're thinking, yeah, I, it, w- it was made hard for me to see who God is by what parents or grandparents or uncles and aunts did. Um, instead of defining yourself as victim for the rest of your life, you can say, this happened and it impacted me. that's true. But now that God is my Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, anything's possible and everything's changed. Now that God is my Father, He's the true Father. I'm not living in somebody else's household. I am now, through Jesus, in direct relationship with the true Father and the true great King. Anything's possible and everything's changed. And so we can have hope and we can kneel before the Father and pray, My Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we can have confidence that our Father and God is able to restore everything that may have been lost, both now and forever. Be blessed.